Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM, broadcasting live from Capitol Alehouse here in Innsbruck. And I should let everybody know, Burger Night is back and better than ever. Monday nights from 3 p.m. till midnight, you can get a cheeseburger for just $2.95 or add bacon and beer cheese for $3.95 at all three of the Richmond area locations, Capital Ale House, downtown Innsbruck, or in Midlothian. I'm here in Innsbruck, but Saturday, Stub, I went out to uh, Cap Ale downtown and uh, took care of business, beat my friend's butts in pool. It's always all fun right. to go down there, uh, the game room at Capital Ale downtown, get some good beer and play some pool. And, uh, yeah, so that was always fun, uh, stopping by Cap Ale. They have great food, as always. Phone lines are open, 833-804-0910. Let's go out to the phone lines. We've got Robert in Richmond. Robert, you're on the fan. What's up, Robert? How you doing? I'm good, man. What would you call in about today? Yeah. Well, I wanted to talk about uh, that feature that uh, Stum was talking about. They yeah. Got, I think they call it a Sicily pizza. Because it, it, it's a... I haven't tried it yet, but I think it's going to be good. I also want to talk about the uh, the the picks for draft. I okay. think my feeling, as long as I've been talking and listening to y'all, that uh, I think it's better to go ahead and stay with the number two because you might get more picks for it, you know, and everything else. Yeah. No, I appreciate you chiming in. Here's what I'll say, number one. I think there's a chance that Washington ends up trading back out of the number two pick to, like, the number ten, and we're going to be looking at a draft class where we end up with, you know, eight picks in the first 102. Right now we have six picks in the first 102. I think they want more and more picks. And look, we've talked about this. Adam Peters does have a history stub of trading back or trading forward in the draft. Uh, I think it'd be crazy to just say, oh yeah, they're definitely going to stay at number two. No, they're going to field phone calls and they're also going to make phone calls to see if they can move up to number one or what it would look like to move back in the NFL draft year. But it's a good situation, I feel like, because of Adam Peters' ability to scout talent and evaluate guys in the NFL. You love the amount of draft picks that we have, and that with number two overall, you have the power to acquire more. And then, Stubb, I think he's talking about the new Sicilian-style pizza that's going to be at Little Caesars. Ooh. I was just reading about it on Chew Boom. You know, we always go to Chew I Boom do. for I Chew Boom uh, the latest dude food news. Yeah, so it's um, it's actually going to only be three ninety nine. Oh my How about God. that? That's yeah. crazy, given my, everything else yeah. these days being like eighteen dollar <laughs> Big Mac deal. Yeah, yeah. You might. So it's going to be a four piece personal size deep dish pizza. That's, I might so have to like try. Kind of like the yeah, it's kind of like the personal pan pizzas that we used to have back in the day. All right, phone lines are always open eight three three eight zero four zero nine ten. But it is a VCU game day, and joining us right now on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline is Zach Joaquin. What's going on, Zach? Hey, Wad, what's up, man? I love the Sean Barstow intro. The <laughs> VCU basketball. It just it, it hits different in the Australian accent. That's awesome, man. Dude, it was so much fun talking with him, and he was so relaxed and easygoing. And we could have talked for an hour talking hoops. My favorite thing about the interview was when he told us that his first coach ever was his mom. Not many college athletes can come out and say my mom was the, my first coach. 
Yeah, it comes from a big basketball family. has has multiple siblings have, who have played. Um, his, I believe his parents are both coaches. Very much grew up around the game, and you can see it in the way Sean plays, right? I think there's a, there's a calmness about him that opposing coaches have commented on and that has been huge for VCU in, in key moments down the stretch this year. Really calm hand on the ball. Yep, so the Rams are on the road at UMass. What do you know about the Minutemen? Um, well, they obviously took down Richmond last week, but they also lost to LaSalle. Um, so a difficult team to, to figure out right now, I think. They've had ups and downs. Um, they've been inconsistent this year. They lost to Harvard, Towson, and Georgia Tech. Um, they yeah. played well in, in close losses to Dayton, Loyola, and St. Joe's. Um, road wins against Mason and, and Richmond are probably the highlights of their resume right now. But they're dangerous. Um, make no mistake about it. It's a dangerous road trip for VCU. Josh Cohen is the first name that comes to mind. 6'10", 220, um, back to the basket big. He leads them with 16.1 points per game, um, seven boards per game. So he's a tough matchup for Firm and for Toby down low, um, the kind of big that VCU has struggled against this year. Um, and so I think you might see a lot of the same defensive principles that they used against Deron Holmes, even though they're, they're very different players, but in terms of rotating and doubling out of the post and, and trying to not give him time to get comfortable and get post position you know, and get to his moves there will be key. Um, he's their leading scorer. But Matt Cross, I think, is, is the guy that impresses me the most for UMass. He's 6'7", 230. Really impressive kind of all-court player. He's averaging 15.4. He leads the team in rebounding, assists, and steals. And he's shooting 54.2% from the floor. He was the guy that killed UR. And so I'd really like to see Michael Bell spend some ample time on him. I think that's probably something that, that VCU goes to sooner rather than later in this game tonight is trying to use Bell as kind of that defensive stopper to slow down Cross. Uh, and then Russell Diggins, I think, is the other yep. big name to keep an eye on. Um, he's third in scoring on the team at 12.5 points. He leads them by wide margins in three-pointers attempted with 158 on the year and 56 um, is how many he's made. And there's nobody else on the team who's close in terms of his shooting volume. So that's the guy that you've got to close out to on the outside. Um, they're dangerous, and getting a win here would be enormous for VCU to create some separation between themselves and, and that pack that's hunting them for the fourth spot. Bonaventure is still kind of looming there. I think they're 7-6 and six in A-10 play right now. So they're the other team that VCU's got to keep an eye on um, in terms of trying to track them down for that fourth seed. But if VCU wins tonight, then you've virtually sealed up that, that fourth spot. It would be hard for anyone to catch them and oust them from the last double-by spot if they can get a win tonight and create some separation between themselves and the pack. VCU at UMass, you can hear right here on 910 The Fan. Pre-game coverage starts at 6.15. You mentioned Matt Cross. I think he's the game, the name that most of Ram Nation would recognize. Uh, he's a good scorer, can kind of do everything on the court for UMass. Now, I did hear a report that he did not practice earlier this week. Uh, I, I'm, I, I'm thinking maybe he's day-to-day, game-time decision tonight. Josh Cohen, uh, their big man down low. But what's interesting about UMass is, you know, you mentioned it. They played well against Dayton, four-point loss. One-point loss to Loyola Chicago. If they win one of those games, we're talking about a completely different look in the standings here for UMass. They also have that one-point loss to LaSalle last game, a one-point loss to St. Joseph's, six-point loss to St. Bonaventure. So they've been in almost every game. I don't expect VCU to blow them out. I do expect it to be a close one tonight. Also, they can score the ball pretty well. They score 79.9 points per game. So I do think this this will have the feel of the 
St. Louis game more than the VCU-Dayton game. I don't think this is going to be a rock fight. I think this is going to be more of a both teams go on an 8-0 run kind of thing, first one to 80. Yeah, I think this could be a bit of a shootout, right? Um, and I, I expect them to be tough, too, right? I remember the, the, the Frank Martin teams of old um, in his time in South Carolina, so I, I, I expect them to kind of mirror their coach a little bit. I haven't seen them this year, but I imagine they'll be gritty um, and they'll put in a good fight. But, yeah, I, I'd expect it to be closer to a shootout um, than, than some of the rock fights that we've seen BCU play in this year. And it's been, that was what stood out to me the most about um, – Ryan Odom and Joe Bamasil's comments after Friday is they both talked about being able to win in different ways, right? And I yeah. think it's striking when you can go from winning a rock fight 49-47 to winning a shootout 95-85. Uh, I think it certainly speaks to the versatility of this team and different ways that you can win ball games. Um, obviously, you'd like to be putting together complete performances where you're playing as well on the defensive end as you are on the offensive end. But they've shown that they have that offensive ceiling um, and a defensive baseline. That St. Louis game was weird, right? So many free throws. And Sincere Parker, oh, my goodness. I mean, there were he made shots that you just got to tip your cap to. You know, VCU had a hand in his face and contested them well. So I don't think that it was a story of a bunch of defensive breakdowns by VCU on Friday, right? I think there was the game was called really tight, and you had a ton of whistles, and St. Louis shot 30 free throws. And Parker just made ridiculous shots that you got to tip your cap to because he's in some kind of zone right now. I don't think VCU played terrible defensively on Friday. I think that was just a, a unique game on the road. And so, yeah, I, I expect not something similar to the St. Louis game, but definitely not a rock fight tonight. I think we're going to get up into the 70s. Yeah, and the Rams need to keep dominating bench points. They've done it almost every game in A-10 conference play. And, of course, Bamasil led all scorers with 27 uh, for VCU off the bench. And, and that's been a big part of this team is it's not just Bamasil, but it's Jason Nelson at times. It's Toby Lawal at times. It's Michael Bell. You know, so VCU needs to continue to have somebody in the second unit hit some shots from the outside. And uh, I'm interested in your take on, you know, John Rothstein kind of pointing out the formidable four that is at VCU with Zeb at the point, Shulga, Bamisel, and Barristow. I like that lineup with Toby Lawal at the five because of his ability to catch lobs. I like that lineup a lot too, and I think Ryan has increasingly gone to it in late-game yeah. situations here, right? That's kind of his closing lineup, and there's been so many discussions. You guys had some great talks on the on the Black and Gold Fan Podcast about, about what the best lineups are and, and what lineups you want to see and looking at the analytics and about who plays well together. Um, and I think Ryan has been learning that over the course of the year, right? Because you had so many moving pieces and, and Joe and Sean missing so much time is it took him some time to figure out what his best groupings were, right? In, in what situations and who played well together. But I, exactly, I think that four guard lineup, if you want to call Barristow a guard, I know there's been much discussion about that this year. Um, and I think he's still listed as the forward on the roster. And, and Toby said to Matt Shelton when he asked about that earlier in the year, he's a big guard, but he very much operates as a guard largely. And I think you've got cool hands on the ball in late game scenarios when you need to protect the ball and not give the other team opportunities, right? And when you've got those four guys out there, that's a lot of savvy ball handlers. It's a lot of good decision makers. It's a team that's not going to beat themselves with turnovers. Um, and obviously in late game, you know, clutch situations, that's what you need. And so I think everyone feels pretty comfortable with those guys out there. And man, 
Sean's three-point shot is starting to maybe come around a little bit. That's been talked about a lot recently. His numbers at, at Utah State were good last year from outside, and for much of the year he has not shot it well for VCU, but I think he made one against St. Louis, and, and defenders are starting to dare him, right? They're doing it to Zeb, too, and Zeb has started to make some big threes for this team, but defenders are really playing off them, and they're trying to compensate for Zeb's quickness and for Sean's ability to get into the lane and, and back guys down and get to that little that little fadeaway jumper in the lane that he loves so much. Um, guards are playing off them and giving them space on the perimeter and trying to dare them to shoot it, and Zeb and Sean are, are starting to make them. Um, Max, obviously, is starting to get, I think, NBA draft buzz on the periphery, which has been super exciting to see. There's some scouts that are starting to notice how well uh, he's playing for VCU and how well he's shooting it from outside specifically. He obviously lit it up um, in the St. Louis game. And then Jason, man, everyone's talked about all year, wanting more catch-and-shoot opportunities for him. Um, And he's been so great adjusting to fluctuating minutes in and out of the starting lineup. Ryan has talked a lot about his maturity this year. Um, and how much he's grown and how he's kind of led the collective effort to embracing your role regardless of what that is for how to help the team win him and Michael Bell I think have been the chief examples of that so it's four guys who've earned those clutch minutes you know late in games those are the guys that Ryan trusts right now and that he wants out there and I think that's very much true of the VCU fan base as well Um, it looks like VCU is operating with the most cohesion when you've got those four guys out there together and we are less than a month away from the A-10 tournament in Brooklyn, New York. I know, Zach, you'll be covering it for the Richmond Times-Dispatch. And I'm happy uh, to make this announcement there. AWOD on the road will be back in Brooklyn. And we just locked down three live shows once again at Black Forest, Brooklyn. It's right Let's off go. of Fulton Street. It's just a three, three to five-minute walk away from the arena. So Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, 12 to 3 p.m. live show from Black Forest, Brooklyn going to be a ton of fun zach i expect you to stop by i'm so excited i'd love to be there man that's good awesome sounds great thanks so much for the time man we appreciate it you're listening to awad radio on the fan welcome back i'm adam epstein you're listening to awad radio here on the new sports radio 910 the fan now at 105 1 fm you know there's an interesting story online right now that's circulating and i saw it and the big question is Stub, can your boss ask you about your bathroom habits? Is it intrusive if your boss is asking you about how many times you're using the restroom? Is it intrusive if they're monitoring your bathroom breaks? Yes. And so here's the story. An overbearing and micromanaging boss can make your workplace a much more miserable experience than it needs to be. Having a boss that butts their nose into your personal business can be even worse. Well... One person is reaching out for advice on how to handle a boss that thinks they have the right to know your bathroom business. Here's what Distant Close 562 says on Reddit. All right, so the boss right. asked them a question and said, uh, you're going to need a doctor's note for your bladder problems. The worker claimed that he does not have bladder problems, and they say that they're staying hydrated at work, drinking about two big gulps worth of water during the shift. They say that means one to four bathroom breaks uh, per shift. He says the boss asked why they were required why to share that information about how many bathroom breaks they're taking, and they said because they were paid bathroom breaks. This worker now has no clue how to respond to this. Uh, Stub, here's here's my take on this, and I've actually, I worked for a company 
that was terrible at micromanaging uh-huh. and legit, I could not go number two at, at the office because uh-huh. every single time I would do that, I would get a phone call. says, Adam, where are you at? We have a meeting with a client in 30 minutes. I'm like, yeah, I know. You don't think I timed up the bathroom <laughs> break yeah. so that I would have plenty of time to get back to my desk? It's the most frustrating thing in the world. Uh, I don't know how I would answer this if my because when my boss was giving me crap about it, I just like, I just took it like I because I was scared for my job. Yeah, it, it's it, a terrible situation yeah. if you have somebody micromanaging like that. Yeah, and and those that know me know that I have a horrible bladder, like like maybe one of the worst. Uh, ever <laughs> and so this this would just be a problem. Like yeah. I I would just continue to to go frequently, and, and they can yell at me all they want. Uh-huh. It's it's I'm not gonna. I, I don't. I, you gotta go. You gotta go. That's that's just kind of what it is. You gotta go. You gotta go. But I I will say that I have worked with somebody in the past that I did not like their bathroom habit because I felt like they were stealing time from the company. I'm talking about somebody that came into work ten or fifteen minutes late every day would log onto their computer and then go straight to the restroom for a 30-minute bathroom break. <laughs> Way might, too long. That might I mean, be a it's bit obvious <laughs> you're, you're just checking Twitter at that time. And so I'm thinking, look, I get it. You have to go to the bathroom. But in, if you're not waking up and then immediately leaving your house, you should be able to take care of the business at home. That's what I will say. I, I think you should be able to take care of business at home before you come into the office. I am someone that wakes up because and then immediately Because it tells me that you're in to too work. much... You're in, Right, I, it tells me you're in too much of a rush, and you're you're stealing money and time from the company if you're coming in and immediately going to take a thirty minute number two. That's just my take on it. Yeah, that's stuff. just too long. I don't know. That's I too mean, maybe maybe you work at a place where you hear the bathroom toilet flush a hundred times a day, and it's different than our here at the radio station. I have no problem with you using the restroom. I don't think it should be the first thing that you do when you come to the office. That tells me that you're just stealing time from the company. Maybe you got a long commute. Maybe I'm maybe I'm the bathroom Nazi. I don't know. Yeah, I don't you know. know. I, I I'm fine what with it. Say? I think the length is an issue. I, I think I don't know when I if, if like you got like a thirty minute commute, it's a good way to just kind of start off the day. I also know a lot of people react differently to coffee. That can kind of get things going a bit bit quicker, if you know what I mean. So yeah, I I, I don't care. I mean, I obviously, if you're 15 minutes late and then you take a 30 minute bathroom break, that that's an issue. But if you show up and you take a five to ten, that is what it is. Now we also are in an industry where let's just say Stub had an emergency. We do not have a backup on site and ready to go. Like that, that's the situation there, Stub, where you might need me to pad time. You might need to say, hey, AWOD, I need you to do an 18-minute segment here because I've got an emergency going on yeah. in my pants, and I'm going to need you to back up the commercial breaks for me, right? I <laughs> mean, was- <laughs> that's the tough part about your your job, Stub. Yeah, th- there There's was- really no answer if you have... You know, yeah, I mean JC's here for an hour. Go ahead. There, there was there was one time I was having yeah. I was having a, a bit of like a bit of a one of those, and and, and I and I tried to call <laughs> JC, but unfortunately he had left for the day. So I I, I did I padded out right. a long break and and I and I did a speed run. Uh, here's the thing, I could technically run the ones and twos and control my own board, but then there's nobody protecting me. If somebody calls in and, and drops an F bomb or something like that, then I'm faced with it. Yeah, right? it's, so, it's it's uh, tough. In in a emergency situation, we'd have to call up the big boss. Yeah, we're really we'd locked have to call in here. Up, say, hey, <laughs> voice of God, I need you to step in for twenty minutes here because Stubb is just having a terrible emergency and we're not gonna blame the Dunkin' Donuts, but he had Dunkin' Donuts today. 
right? One of those situations. Yeah, I, yeah. No, it's, but it's, I, I just feel I feel bad for some. I feel bad for some people that work in a situation like that because I I just I relate to it because I was in a situation where I was getting phone calls on the toilet and happened to pick up and say, "Yes, Brittany, I'll be back <laughs> at my desk in five minutes. Where are you? It's, I'm it's, literally on the toilet." You could, I, I would flush sometimes on the phone <laughs> so they could know that I wasn't lying. You know, it's, right? it's it was, a, this is the same company that told me I could have a 15-minute <laughs> coffee break and then called me five minutes into my coffee break and said, we have coffee in the building. Why are you? Do-? And I said, well, why are you giving me a break then? I could have just gotten it for free. I'm trying to get some exercise here. Yeah, Clear it's a, my mind. It's a plan ahead thing. I, I've, I've trained my body to go about an hour before the show starts. So that way I don't have to during there you and go. I don't eat before the show yeah. I, I eat like I have like a snack in the middle and I eat after because it it is it is a problem like we, we are locked in this room yeah. with a I couple mean, look, minute I'm, breaks for in three conclusion, hours in conclusion yeah in conclusion I believe that you should be waking up enough time before you go to work to be able to either have breakfast take her a business take a shower if you don't shower before work you're a terrible person like you should wake up with enough time to do your normal routine before running to the office i know some people love to like set their alarm for five minutes before they need to be at the office that's me they just wake up and sprint to their car and stuff i don't think it's i don't think it's a good way of life i love it need to wake up early enough to have your have some time because you're thinking in the back of your head i'm not wasting any time here yeah you're kind of wasting the company's time well, you're no. going to work there and then sitting on the toilet for 20 minutes. I'm not talking about you specifically, Stub, but I am talking about somebody that used to uh, do your job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, you, you just you don't need 20 minutes. I, I think I think five to ten max. If, if you're if you're passing ten, you're you're doing it on purpose. Yeah, yeah. And, but I agree but with hey, you sometimes you just oh, this one this one's different. Sorry, I was... That's sometimes you got to do that. <laughs> <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> what are we doing? I I, <laughs> I will I will tell another story. When I was working at uh, Lifetime Fitness, when I was when I was uh, a kid, when I was growing up there, I was probably uh, like fourteen or fifteen at the time. I was a slide attendant. Uh, I will say that part of my duties were to clean the bathroom and I was not cleaning that thing at at, at all. Like I would take no. a mop and I would get, get the mop wet and I would just kind of walk across the room with it so that it looked like there was somebody mopped it up, but I wasn't like I wasn't mopping the dirty places. You know what I mean? I, like I was I was just doing the hallway. I right? uh, so I worked at a summer camp for a while, so I have I have experience. Uh, it it's bad. It's oh, tough. Oh really? Yeah, kids, kids, really? uh, kids will clog a toilet like there's no tomorrow. And when you're <laughs> when you're when you're a junior counselor working there for the start, that's uh, that's your job. Oh boy! Oh yeah, boy. <laughs> I've gotten a little too acquainted with that kind of work. Yeah, and now you're at radio in, in radio, and I'm questioning your bathroom habits. You are here. We are. <laughs> I'm just messing with you. Phone lines are open eight three three eight zero four zero nine ten. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM, always available around the country on the go with the free Odyssey app. You can rewind today back to 1 p.m. to hear the Richmond Commander. We debate 
Caleb Williams or Drake May. Scott Abraham joined us today at 1.30 to continue that discussion and also go around all D.C. sports. And then Zach Joaquin at 2 p.m. to preview the Rams on the road against UMass. You can hear that game right here on 910 The Fan tonight at 7 p.m. I'll be broadcasting live starting at 6.15 from Rams House uh, right on Broad Street. So it's a good place to hang out and then watch the game with me. I'll be there live starting at 6.15 tonight before I hand it off to Robbie Robinson and Rodney Ashby. Every day on AWOD Radio, here is Game Day. Every day on AWOD Radio is game day. Home of the biggest sports fans in town and 910 The Fan. There's always something to watch. We will spotlight the best sporting event of the day here on Game Day. Yeah, right back and I'm here. I got the whole team in here now. It's feeling like game day and it's game day. We are the underdogs of the year. We ranking number one on the list. We put in overtime so we ready for overtime if the clock ever hits. Game day. Game day. Game day. Game day. Every day is game day. There's always something to watch. And in my mind, the best sporting event of the day is VCU basketball on the road at UMass. This is a Rams team that is red hot, now 17-8 on the season, 9-3 in the A-10. And over the last two weeks, they've proved they can win all sorts of basketball. They can win a defensive battle. They can win a shootout. Went to St. Louis and put up 95. They can win at home if it's a low-scoring game. Beat Dayton 49-47. And the reason VCU is playing so well, in my mind, is because they're finally healthy. The team is now 8-2 in games this season that feature Zeb Jackson, Sean Barristow, and Joe Bamisil. The NCAA decided to be stupid and didn't let Joe Bamisil play in about half of the season. Since he's returned, he's averaging 13.5 points per game. Sean Barristow got hurt, <clears throat> hurt his foot, broke his foot at the beginning of the season. He came back and then had a rib contusion, missed a few more games. Now he's healthy again, almost leading the A-10 in assists per game. Zeb Jackson has just been terrific in my mind. He's scored less, but he's taken more of a leadership role as a point guard. Only three turnovers in the past seven games as Zeb has been terrific leading the Rams offense. So it's VCU at UMass tonight. You can check that out 7 p.m. on CBS Sports Network. But we... Nope, I think, uh, Adam, are you are you there? I think that we have lost and you. And with Robbie the... Robinson right. and Rodney Ashby. What's up? All right, we lost you there for a sec. We're all good now. Check, check. Okay, yeah. So you, you, <laughs> you tripped me up there. VCU at UMass. And look, this is a UMass team that's really decent offensively. They can score the ball. They can shoot a good three-point percentage as well. Matt Cross is their top performer, 15.4 points per game, 8.3 rebounds. The three-point shooting threat, though, that's Rajul Diggins. So VCU is going to have to play good defensively, limit the breakdowns, don't let Diggins get open three, don't let Cross get going to the basket downhill. And then offensively, you know, I think it's all about just playing unselfish basketball. And that's what VCU did really good against St. Louis last game was a lot of drive and kicking. You know, getting past your man, and all of a sudden it's a five-on-four situation instead of five-on-five. And, you know, that's when Shulga and Joe Bamisil are so 
so dangerous when you have Barstow backing a guy down, he can kick it out to them. Or Zeb Jackson drives and, and throws a, a cross-court pass to one of those guys for an open three. That's why I love the lineup so much. That is Zeb Jackson, Max Scholga, Bamisil, and Barstow. Four guards who can all handle the rock, who can all get their own bucket. And that's what's so difficult about those guys is you can't sag off of Shulga or Bamisil. And, and you can't play tight on Bearstow because he'll get past you. And you can't double-team any of one of them. So, you know, that's when VCU has been at their best with those four guards and then either Lawal or Furman down low. And as of late, I feel like Lawal has been on a heater finishing around the rim. So VCU-UMass is my choice for game day. Game day. Game Stub? Day. All right, I am going with the Capitals game tonight against the New Jersey Devils. Um, in reality, I will probably also be more focused on the VCU game, but you claim that one, so I'm going to take the Caps here. Unfortunately, Ovi has ended his six-game st- scoring streak after the last one, not scoring a goal. And the Caps are also winning two of their last ten, but we're hoping tonight maybe we can get another Ovi goal. Maybe we can get back some wins for the Capitals. We are 2-1 and one against the Devils this season, but it has not been looking too great for the Caps as the season has gone on. No, but this this is going to be a high-scoring game. Devils won the last meeting 6-3, to three. Um, so really hope, hoping that Ovi uh, can get a goal tonight. He's, of course, scored six goals and added four assists over the last ten games. Uh, it's John Carlson uh, that's got the hot stick for the Caps. He's got 27 assists on the season. This is a Capitals team that has not been great in their last ten games, but look, all we care about is Alex Ovechkin scoring. Yep. <laughs> They've been falling down the standings, not really in a position here right now to make the wild card. I think you know there's certainly a possibility by the end of the season they get back into that conversation. Uh, but right now, you know, 56 points just isn't enough uh, to really compete. Uh, with Philadelphia, with New Jersey having 60 points on the year. So hopefully the Caps can get hot here in late February as Ovi's been hot with the stick, uh, but the team needs, needs to get some wins. So you can, of course, watch the Caps tonight, Monumental Sports Network, 7 p.m. puck drop against the Devils. If we missed any sporting event that you wanted us to highlight, phone lines are open. 833-804-0910. That's 833-804-0910. Highlighting the best sporting event of the night on game day. Game day. Game day. Breaking news on the new Sports Radio 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM, powered by Odyssey, is brought to you by BetQL. Breaking news here on the new Sports Radio 910. The fan now at 105.1 FM. Richmond's home of the Flying Squirrels. Well, the Squirrels just celebrated, just announced they'll be celebrating opening night with a special guest. Former MLB All-Star Joe Panic will be on hand at the Diamond Tuesday, April 9th as the Richmond Flying Squirrels celebrate opening night. You got Nutsy's block party going on March 2nd. You can get your tickets for opening night. Just released here from the Squirrels press release. Straight in my inbox here, former MLB All-Star Joe Panic will be on hand at the Diamond Tuesday, April 9th as the Flying Squirrels celebrate 
opening night. He played, of course, for the Squirrels back in 2013. I remember seeing him with the Squirrels uh, back when I was in school. He will throw out the ceremonial first pitch prior to the team's home opener against the Akron Rubber Ducks. That's breaking news here on 910 The Fan. Spend your afternoons with Adam Epstein. Three complete stinkers. And that is the kind of inconsistency that is utterly embarrassing. AWOD Radio. Don't go to break. Just keep <laughs> rolling. Go through the break. A newsflash. Next time, don't call in from your basement. You sound like you're doing it from hell. On Sports Radio 910 The Fan and 105.1 FM. Ready to go back up? Bring it up. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on The Fan. I think that's a really cool announcement by the Flying Squirrels. Home opener, 635 right here on 910 The Fan. Tuesday, April 9th. And, of course, individual game tickets will all go on sale March 2nd during Nutsy's Block Party. Stub, you got to come out to Nutsy's Block Party. Oh, You'll I be want blown to. away with the crowd. I mean, it it is unbelievable how many people are out there hanging out with Nutsy and Natasha and getting in line to buy their tickets for opening night. I think that's really cool. Joe Panic will throw out the first pitch. He said, uh, I'm excited to share with you that I'll be throwing out the ceremonial first pitch. I can't wait to see you all there. And then uh, he. It, what's really cool is he played a record tying 137 games during the 2013 season with the Flying Squirrels. He then went on to spend six seasons with the Giants, earning NL All-Star selection in 2015 and a Gold Glove Award in 2016, and then would go on to play for the Mets, the Blue Jays, and Miami Marlins. He's now a special assistant for the Giants. Joe Panic will be coming back to Richmond for opening night. Tuesday, April 9th. So I think that's going to be a ton of fun. We love our partnership here on 910 The Fan with the Richmond Flying Squirrels. Trey Wilson and Blaine McCormick looking forward to getting those guys back on the show over the next few weeks here as we get ready for opening day. Uh, But I did want to close out the show today by doing a little bit of Netflix as I did finish True Detective. That's the lead story here on Netflix. Netflix. The best of streaming services, TV, movies, books, podcasts, and more. We've got you covered on Netflix. All right, Stubbs, so let me ask you first, where are you at with True Detective Season 1? I know you were hooked and you watched (laughs) the first two episodes, right? I'm still on episode... Five, I think that's where okay. I was when you asked me uh, like a couple weeks ago. <laughs> but you're you're not like uh, in love with Matthew McConaughey no, and Woody I Harrelson. Really, no, I love it. Like it's great. Did Alexander Daddario take her top off yet, or you haven't seen that scene yet? I don't remember. Uh, you it's, know what? You might have just paused it on that scene. <laughs> no, <laughs> been I did too not. preoccupied. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, I'll tell it's, you this. It's just been a while since I've watched it. All right. Well, I'm I'm committed. I I, I told my girlfriend because she liked season four. We're gonna go rewatch season one all right so if if i finish season one before you finish it that's shame on you Uh, you will uh 
but I finished True Detective over the weekend. I will give a full breakdown on Thursday. I want to give people okay. time to finish Season 4. There are six episodes. True Detective Season 4, Night Country. It's very weird, and I'm not satisfied with the ending. That's what I'll say right now. Give my right. full breakdown on Thursday. Stop. what do you want to bring up today? Let's see. I, it, was, it was a good movie weekend for me. Like I said, I watched all the Oscar short films because they're playing at some Regals. Uh, they're playing both the animated and live-action short films. Uh, I would say go see it. Uh, you know, support independent art, very small teams, really cool stuff. I don't think anything was standout from that crowd. Uh, I also watched a couple good movies. I watched uh, Sicario. Are you aware of that oh, movie? Oh, dude, I love Sicario. Da- but that's Denise the first one. The, the second Villeneuve. one is Day of the Soldado. The first yeah. one is just called Sicario. So, all right, Sicario. I think the final ten minutes of Sicario are, like, best movie. I mean, it's just so entertaining. Am I, I was, right on that? I was whelmed. Really? Yeah, I think well, the the movie I was pretty whelmed by. I think, I, I just don't think so I... You're, I, you're I, not a... You're not in the camp that's given it a 92 on Rotten Tomatoes? I'm not. I'm really not. I, I don't know what it was wow. for me. It just, uh, I, I think it didn't, it wasn't as tense as I'd hoped it. I, I was never, I never really felt that tension and anxiety that I, lot, I saw a lot of reviewers really, really felt about so, it. So Dennis Villeneuve, uh, of course, he he's a legendary director for a lot of movies. Uh, Dune is his most popular recent one. Uh, I like Blade Runner. Arrival is really good. Of course, then he did Sicario. Uh, So what is your overall rating for Sicario? It was a three and a half out of five for me. I I know I'm trending lower on this one than a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, And and the cast is great. Benicio Del Toro really shines, I'd say, among everyone. I just love Benicio so much. I, I just think it didn't quite hit the mark in getting me as tensed and, and kind of like really? in that environment. Yeah. Well, did you watch on a big screen with good sound system? Uh, I don't have a good sound system. Uh, the mm. TV's pretty big. Uh, I, I think, I think it could have used... <laughs> yeah, I mean, I always could. And I, always, and I am desperate for a better sound system because yeah. I found myself a little underwhelmed sound-wise, but that might have just been a, a technical issue on my so, end rather than the film. I'm going to say this. If you didn't love the first one... You're not going to like the second one. <laughs> I think I gave the first one a four out of five. The second one drops down to a two and a half out oh, of five. Oh, really? I, I yeah. And I know they're working on number three, and they're going to bring Emily oh, yeah, Blunt back for that one. Uh, so yeah. I, don't, I, I also watched a movie called The Hunt for Red October. Are you aware of this? I am. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a great That was great. Much more tense. Submarine movie. Oh, yeah. That's directed a scary-ass movie. Yeah, right? John McTiernan, uh, John McTiernan, who did Die Hard, Predator... And a stacked cast. I mean, you got Sean Connery, Alec Baldwin, Sam Neill, James Earl Jones, Tim Curry, and just good submarine drama. I I was locked in on this one. There's a famous scene from that movie. I don't remember what it is. Do you? I mean, I I, I don't know which one. I'm probably like some of the like torpedo battles in the submarines. Mm -hmm. Those were just great. You, you You don't know if they're about to get hit by the... The torpedo, how they're going to avoid it, what Alec Baldwin in his silly... I mean, uh, Sean Connery with a silly accent is going to do. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I would. I, I, this was a four out of five for me. Hunt for Red October. Highly recommend. It's on Max. I will do... I'll do a movie review right, right. now. My buddy wanted to watch... Because we had both heard really good things about this movie. I'm okay. not joking. We both heard really good things about Puss in Boots. Yeah. The Last the Wish. The Last Wish, yes. I didn't like it at all. 
I really? was very underwhelmed, dude. Really? Yeah. I, I I was I was kind of bored for most of it. Really? <laughs> I, I caught that one in theaters. Um You did. <laughs> yes, I did. My my roommate is super into animation. He had a one of his teachers back at tech uh, helped animate the movie. So we oh, had to go okay. down and check it out. I, I think visually it was so interesting enough compared to most like Disney and Pixar stuff that that held my attention. And I think John Mulaney as one of the main villains uh, was was huge. I, I thought he was yeah. great. I like John Mulaney. I, yeah, maybe I just uh, maybe I'm not that into Puss in Boots, right? I, I'm more of a Shrek and Donkey fan. I actually I, I didn't even know that was his third movie. Like that's crazy uh, to me. No, it's a second. It's his only what, second movie for Puss in Boots. What is Puss in Boots, The Three Diablos, though? Was that just a short film? Probably. Oh, yeah, I've never just, heard of it. Yeah, yeah it's just a yeah. short film. The first huh. Puss in Boots movie is quite bad. Uh, and I, I was <laughs> not as up on uh, The Last Wish as it seems most people are, but I, I think it was, compared to the scene it was coming out alongside, it was pretty good. Well, I'm, I'm excited that this week I can finally... Use my Peacock subscription, the largest Peacock subscription around, and uh, I will finally watch Oppenheimer. I'm excited. You can watch it for free now on Peacock. I'm a yeah. little worried you're going to think it's boring. <laughs> I think, well, I think that's, that's the possible. thing. It's like I have to be fully ready to yeah. commit to three hours. I don't think you can have the same experience if you watch it one night and then finish it the next day. No. So, you know, it's one of those movies you're – I'm not going to watch it tonight because there's a VCU game day, right? Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to have to pick a night where there's, like, no sports on, start at probably around 7 p.m. so I can get all the way through it. Uh, but what was your official rating for Oppenheimer? Uh, I think that's a, that's a four and a half out of five for me. I, I caught that one oh, in wow. IMAX. I, I think technically it's it's just about perfect with some fantastic acting performances, and it's uh, it's going to sweep the Oscars. And it was definitely loved by me. Not my favorite of the year, but a but a top fiver. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm definitely looking forward to watching it. And uh, yep, I'll give you guys my review on Thursday of True Detective Season 4. If you've seen it, give us a call tomorrow, 833-804-0910, or tweet me at 910thefan at AWOD Radio. It's Grant and Danny coming up next from Washington, D.C.